This is the War and Peace Project coming to you from Studio 3 at the Third Space on Campus Corner. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to Ellie, 22 months, and five rescue animals, political scientist, policy wonk, and co-owner of four businesses with my fellow co-host, Sarita Wilson. And I am Sarita Wilson. I am almost 50 years old, uh, birther of four businesses, mother of two grown children, five rescue animals, and one errant husband. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about, uh, first of all, we're going to celebrate a win, a big win. Our doggy daycare in Norman, Oklahoma was voted by the local paper and the citizens in our community as best of doggy daycare and best of pet care services. We've been fighting with, not fighting, but you know, the friendly competition, friendly, subtle race against the veterinary clinics and pet retailers because doggy daycare is kind of a newish industry. So This best of competition didn't really have a category for us in the early years, but we've won it the last nine years or something like that, the doggy daycare portion, but we've never won the pet care services and we won. So that's a huge deal for me. So Uh, thank you, Norman residents. Thank you, Norman residents. We uh, appreciate that. Our coffee shop did not win this year, but we're shooting for next year. Watch out other coffee shops. We're coming for you. And I will say, I do think that winning the reader's choice this year in both of these categories is in large part due to what we're going to talk about today. So Absolutely. I think that that, this was really good timing. Yeah. So we kind of come up with the topic and then we learn that we won this deal and we feel like the two tie together. And our topic today is how to be an aware and socially conscious business and include that basically in your brand. We've talked about this a little bit in past podcasts about engaging with your community because businesses only exist, but for the goodwill of the community that they're in. But businesses also have a very strong platform and project value into the community. Whether you choose to or not, you are projecting something. And you can either be intentional about what you are projecting or you can utilize the privilege that kind of comes with business ownership to not intentionally project anything. And therefore, the absence of feedback about your values both internally and externally, can have an impact on people. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about internal values, projecting values externally, and how to incorporate that into your brand, because we do it different ways with both of our businesses or both of our industries. And I think that that, again, contributes in large part to our winning the Reader's Choice Award this year, because we have a long track record of being involved in our community and projecting our values with our doggy daycare and boarding facilities We've been doing that for a long time, and I think that this is just a culmination of all of that effort. So I came up with three kind of bullet points, and uh, we'll try to go through these. Building a culture within that reflects your beliefs that then can be projected outward. Social awareness and how does that relate to your brand. And community service and how does your business benefit your community. So when I first started Annie's, I was kind of the weird newcomer. I'd lived in Norman for a really long time, but I worked in Oklahoma City, so people in the community didn't really know me well. So I spent a lot of time trying to get known. So this was 11 years ago. I tried to get known. I tried to be involved, and I kept coming up to really odd looks and and why are you wanting to be part of this thing or that thing? And so it was such a strange, like, People didn't understand why I was why I was doing that. And I wanted to just be entrenched in my community. My reason for leaving my corporate job was to be able to work, live, and play in my own community. 
So I guess a story that that you relayed to me recently that really got me thinking about this topic was when you first opened, you were approached to put was it an LGBTQ sticker it was, on it was, your door? Yeah. You know, a rainbow flag, a wel- a sign of welcome to people who nationally and in our community don't always feel welcome in every space. And, and in that time in our community, we were actually having a very distraught conversation. Volatile. Which I don't know if you even knew about at the time when I didn't. You were I wasn't approached. plugged into that at that point. So, and you didn't put the sticker on your door. And and I'll I'll kind of explain why because I felt like why well, of course I want all people here and I don't know why I would have to advertise. And this is a, a this conversation today is going to be a little bit of like the evolution of me as a fifty year old almost fifty year old woman that was brought up in a very blue collar middle America racist, Mm non-woke existence, like I'm emerging from that in the last 10 years or so. And part of that was, you know, I got education, I went to a university and, and I got a master's degree. And in that I learned a lot, but those subtle things like, will I be chasing off some or alienating some part of my client base if I put a rainbow sticker on my and transversely, I never, it never occurred to me at that point that not having a sticker, you know, when somebody is asking me that this would make people feel more welcome, that in and of itself causes me to alienate some portion of my client base. Or at the, least it doesn't give the overt symbol that people in those marginalized communities need. And right. that's, that's just kind of a privileged perspective yeah. for a business owner to say, I don't want to chase away the bigots. <laughs> I'm I like know, trying to like, say this in a way that so doesn't, I'm not trying to offend 2010 Sarita, but I mean, <laughs> she was kind of dumb. But if you, when you really kind of chase down the end conclusion of a thought like that, mm-hmm. of I don't want to chase people away by putting this sticker up, you're saying, well, I want the bigot money. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, as a scared new business, I was just scared for you know, I needed to have enough clients. There was all the things Mm -hmm. that a new business goes through. So I was on one hand... I'm not trying to slam business owners who who have those concerns because those are really valid concerns, but but finding a way through it is important. You do have to really kind of ask yourself, what do you want? Why even be in business if you're going to not have a life that you would be appreciative of? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it kind of hit me in the feels after a strong conversation with my daughter where she educated me. And I won't really talk about that because it was a really dumb conversation on my end. However, she made me just, it was like an aha moment, a light bulb went off. And I know that there are a lot of people in middle America and all over our country right now that are probably having these light bulb moment moments. But how does that relate to our business? These are the kinds of things, even on that small level, that business owners will face, whether it's being approached to put, you know, something welcoming, like an LGBTQ safe space sticker or something like that on your door, to maybe your city or your state has passed some sort of gun-related legislation that is now motivating businesses to decide one way or the other whether they want to allow guns in their establishment. Mm -hmm. If something's going on in your community and there is a petition being passed around either for a local issue or a state issue, are you going to allow those people in your facility to gather signatures? You know, those are the really small ways that a business might be approached or you know, be involved in a topic like that. But then there are, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, just other ways to engage in your community and express your values. On the on the doggy daycare side, we do not allow unaltered animals in our facility. 
not only because there are some behavioral issues that make unaltered animals in a doggy daycare setting not necessarily good for anyone involved, but also because in Oklahoma, we have a very significant pet overpopulation problem in large part due to a lack of emphasis on spaying and neutering. So, so it's a value statement. It's We'd a make a lot statement. more money if we took on altered animals. Yeah, we would. And recently I had a, there was a conversation. <laughs> so we are on city council. I'm just going to say that in case this is your That's first. like the other end of the spectrum yeah, on so, getting involved in your community as a business <laughs> owner. Not one I recommend to everyone. Yeah. So, so the spectrum is putting a sticker or, or donating doing nothing. <laughs> or doing nothing, I guess. The very smallest amount of things you can do to running for office to affect change in your communities. So we've done it all in between there. So recently we had the opportunity to consider some ordinances in our city that would require that you spay or neuter your pet or pay a higher fee to support our animal shelter, which deals with the products of unaltered animals. And we got a lot of pushback and we didn't actually get this accomplished But I was accused of writing this policy and trying to push this by another business in our community. Well, just outside of our community. I was accused of doing that so that I could have more business. Really, that's surprising because the easier way to get more business would be to just just start allowing unaltered animals. Unaltered business. (laughs) Unaltered animals. I mean, because it's like, do you do know that I made the policy that I've actually put my money where my mouth is, that I've actually said that this is a value statement for me. This is important. I've worked too much in rescue. We we've also have a rescue. So that's another thing that we started a nonprofit seeing a problem in our community with underfunding of our shelter and rescue needs in our community. And even just limited resources. I yeah. mean, another thing that we require at our doggy daycare is we have mandatory vaccinations. Right. We could only require rabies or mm-hmm. only require rabies and the distemper vaccine. But we require more than that for the health and safety of all the dogs there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things we do with the Rescue Foundation is provide money for or even host ourselves low-cost vaccination clinics. Because yeah. vaccination, I mean, still it can be difficult and costly to own a pet in the city of Norman. Mm-hmm. And we don't want anything to be a burden for people. And the pet food pantry. Yeah. And we do Angel Tree every year Mm -hmm. to give to other rescue groups so that we're supporting fully and within our community our values. Mm -hmm. And now we're known for that. Yep. So people contact us, you know, uh, we are the only doggy daycare that I know of that people contact to find out if we can give them a crate or a... Mm dog food or And we are puppy for pads. sure the only doggy daycare and boarding company with a rescue foundation. That's really kind of the social awareness side and kind of reaching out into the community. And you can do the same thing by building that culture within your employees. We do a lot for our employees. We try and put our money where our mouth is when it comes to supporting employees in their times of need, whether it's a part-time employee who becomes pregnant And has concerns and questions about their job during pregnancy and then after pregnancy. And we didn't have a policy in place at the time. And so we created one and and utilized that situation to help us develop a policy to better help our employees in the future. We provided maternity leave. She had a job when she got back. And now she's actually moved over to the coffee side and is now the manager of one of our coffee businesses. We invested in her. We invested in her and and it came back to us and that wasn't really the reason I the, you know there's been multiple times it was times. a value statement it, it was, was a value, value statement. statement to her about what she meant to us as an employee and we've done that in 
a variety of iterations with other employees too. Yeah, as a as a small, really small company, when something like that comes up, if you have one out of your six employees at that time or eight that is in need of a maternity leave, but we don't have a legal obligation to provide that necessarily mm-hmm. because she's part-time and we're under 50 employees. We're so under not 50 FMLA. employees. So, so none of that fit in our, you know, the legal side, but we made a very conscious decision to support and to put our money where our mouth is. And basically I worked for six weeks in her position so that we could afford to do that. Actually it was 10 weeks, but we ended up giving her 10 weeks of leave uh, where we paid her at her same rate uh, and that's a lot to absorb for a six to eight employee. Business. And frankly, that's even more than FMLA requires for right. large companies. They only require that you offer unpaid leave. Right. So so unpaid leave I could have done easily. <laughs> so, right. But uh, it's the it's the paid part and doing what, what you're supposed to do. The other thing we've done is consistently upratcheted mm-hmm. our pay. We are, you know, we're an entry level young people's job generally, you know, college kids and just out of high school people generally take our jobs we will hire any age mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's sort of a low-paying job that we balance for us I mean we want to keep our services affordable for people as well so right I mean, we'd so, be able to pay a lot more but then you'd be paying a lot more for but we can afford it so so but in that we've chosen to try to keep our pay scale going up and that so meant that things people, like reviewing how our days work yeah. and how many people we have scheduled on any given day and the flow of our day so that we can maximize efficiency because that also potentially frees up some extra dollars. some extra dollars to be able to pay more. Yeah. And being, you know, real about what we're making. Mm-hmm. I've always said I don't want to be the asshole sitting on a pile of money while people that work for me are having to work five jobs to make it or we're whatever. Definitely not doing that. No. (laughs) So those are just examples that we use in the doggy daycare world. Other ways that we've put our money where our mouth is and done value statements is is donations. We have green practices where we Mm -hmm. we recycle, even though there's no, we have to kind of create a recycling program for ourselves here. Uh, We offer walk-up discounts for our coffee shops. Um, We do drag queen story hour. We have a suspended coffee program where people can pay for or we just put free coffees on the board and if somebody needs to come up and and they don't have the money then we have the opportunity to and our employees have the freedom to give coffees and food away Mm -hmm. i've always told my employees that err on the side of the person in front of you and not on the side of the business and i think that's a valuable culture Mm -hmm. statement inside of our business absolutely we also offer up our facilities as drop-off points for nonprofits collecting goods for specific circumstances. Um, you know, we collected water and Gatorade for firefighters battling wildfires on you know the eastern side of our city. We have had been collection points for Meals on Wheels and our pantry partners, uh, public schools, you know, food pantry program. We do the Angel Tree every single year. We have allowed petition gatherers to mm-hmm. utilize our facilities because they get booted from places like Walmart. But we certainly don't mind because they're out there trying to engage with their community as well. And so we offer, we notice, I mean, one of the reasons why we offer a dog walking camp for kids is because in the rescue world, we see a lot of dogs brought to the shelter or returned to the shelter or contact and people contacting us about dogs that have been involved in an incident with a child, usually a bite. Mm-hmm. And we know just from the sheer number of data points, it is not always the dog's fault. 
There is a Can I tell lot. my story? Yes, you can. Here we go. Example Kate A. Were, Kate and I were driving separately in separate vehicles, completely <laughs> unaware of the other person, or I was unaware of you. I don't yeah. know if you knew I was there. And we're driving down Alameda, which is the street in front of one of our businesses. We both are heading towards our homes to change for some other event that we were going to. And we see these dogs. I see dogs running down the street or walking kind of slowly, honestly. So I pull over and I start whistling and doing all my tricks to get a dog to me that's running down a busy street. And then here comes Kate. She's right behind me. Oh, okay. There's two of us. We can do this. <laughs> two we, dogs, two people. Two Perfect. dogs, two people. It's great. They're not super scared of us. The, you know, there's always the balance of if I try to go near them and there's a busy street, are they going to run out into the mm-hmm. street and get hit by a car? So you kind of have to... And we coaxed little, them in and we did a great dance, job with yeah. that. So we, did, we coaxed them in. We only had one leash. I had a, a scarf. Anyways crux of the story is some of the things you have to do is identify the dog. So boy or girl, you know, do they have a collar, not collar, you know, what are we dealing with? And uh, so I went to look at the, what I call the undercarriage of said dog that I had in my care. And I guess I was a little too familiar with his private parts and he bit me. It was stranger danger, bad touch all together. <laughs> and I was like, I deserved that. I was like, Oh, that was a bite. And I completely deserved it. And We've giggled about it all week because I basically... You touch a strange dog's balls. That's what's going <laughs> to happen to you. I'm like, I touched a strange dog's balls. I'd bite someone's thigh, too, <laughs> if they tried to reach between my legs. So um, I don't know how that relates but, to the story. But, but, the, but reason, the reason, one of the reasons why we offer this Dog Walking Kids Camp is because we saw a need in the community for additional dog behavior training opportunities for children. Because oftentimes you rely on parents to kind of pass that information down. And if the parents aren't very knowledgeable in that area, then the kid's not going to be very knowledgeable in that area. So the dog walking kids camp serve two purposes. Provided a low cost summer camp for kids because I am dreading trying to figure that out when my kid is in school. So we wanted to provide an opportunity for parents to fill their kids summer at a reasonable price and provided some educational opportunities to this community to hopefully prevent some of these incidences from occurring that cause dogs to need to be rehomed. And it gives us a captive little audience of fresh minds to Mm -hmm. explain things like overpopulation in our community of pets and how important it is to do the health care of heartworm prevention. And And which breed is the most dangerous breed? None of them. None of them. (laughs) All dogs can bite. Uh, And what to do if you're in a situation so you don't get Mm-hmm. mauled or you you know the best chances of not getting injured and then we bring in other people in our community other professionals like veterinarians and dog trainers and groomers it's and true. I didn't even think of that point it's also a way to engage other businesses other entities other individuals that have expertise to be able to share that with the community at large too right and and you know when I first got into doggy daycare it was such a guarded, weird community with the veterinarians and and the service providers, even the groomers. Nobody really wanted to talk about what they do. Um, They were very wary wary of me and what did I want. (laughs) And really, I just want there to be a community where we can pool resources and provide services in our community and be really good at it. So reaching out to other groups and kind of being that example of how we can do that, where I, I can reach out. We offer training, but I reach out to other trainers to see what they can bring. I, we offer dog food, but I reached out to somebody that specializes in dog food in our community. So, And I just want our community to be better. So, One other thing I wanted to point to, because we kind of danced around it a little bit in some of these other bullet points, is political awareness. 
this is something that businesses tend to only clue into when it's something that directly affects them. A drastic increase in minimum wage, different legislation related to businesses. I don't even think businesses do enough involvement at the local level because things that happen at the local level can affect a business far more than anything that might be slowly percolating along at the state level. You know, whether it's major road projects, uh, sales tax increases, changes to business licenses or requirements, nearby zoning changes, all of these things can have a direct impact on your business. But also, I feel that businesses need to be more involved in promoting positive political change. And that could even be social change. I think that businesses tend to hold back on that or or fall on the wrong side of it. Um, You know, I really... I really feel that if businesses could simply advocate for more rights and better lives for everyone and become more leverage the platform that businesses are given, then we could really encourage a lot of change. And that does kind of relate back to what Sarita was saying about getting kind of squidgy about, you know, maybe chasing people away from from your business. But I personally don't really care if we don't get bigoted money. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, right too. You know, I mean and 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 there is, you know, there are a couple people who have who have frequented Cool Beans and they've pulled through and I've kind of glanced in the back of their vehicle and been like, "Oh, you're one of the I didn't realize you were one of those people." <laughs> like they're not someone that they I would spend their... a lot of time with on a daily basis, but they still come even though we put up the rainbow flag sticker. And I know that they saw it. So, you know, they they have just decided that our coffee is more important than our social platform. Well, I have to say that, you know, I've evolved immensely in the last 10 to 15 years, you know, from the girl that was afraid of putting a sticker on the door to turning my back on abortion people in a city council meeting. I feel like I've decided. And we know we lost clients because of that. We did lose clients because of that. And I'm okay with it because I think we have to be, especially women have to be bold, especially as white women. Kate actually said this in our city council meeting last night, but we have to use our privilege and our business's privilege to give voice to the marginalized citizens, the people that don't have the same opportunities that we do. We It is important that we are bold. Mm-hmm. We need to be active allies, not just passive active. allies. And that is something that a lot of business owners shy away from. And I recognize I recognize why it can be really concerning to think about doing something to send customers away from your business and maybe to a competitor. But at the same time, this is our social fabric that we're talking about. And we do have to be bold and we do have to take strong positions. And if we do so in a positive and loving way, I think some of those people will still come through. Well, I mean, and I think that that you'll get the clients you want mm-hmm. and you'll be living a life you want. It feels more authentic to me. It, it feels more authentic. And and now I just have the attitude, have you met me? Because this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And and if this is going to cause you to not use my business, then I'm okay with that. Yep. Sarita kind of mentioned it, but last night at our city council meeting, this is kind of the end of Black History Month and the upcoming start of Women's History Month and also the year of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And... That 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment feels really great until you kind of scratch below the surface and realize that that was just for white women. Mm -hmm. Indigenous women weren't even made citizens, indigenous people in general, but also indigenous women, not made citizens until 1924. And so they couldn't vote. Voting Rights Act in 1965 is what really secured truly the rights of black people to vote. And that has all been whitewashed. 
And so recognizing that and doing what I can to utilize our business platform as a way to make some of those value statements, I think is really important. We've brought some new products into Cool Beans that require more silverware than we have in the past. So I need to get some spoons and I need to get some knives. And I'm probably going to go the bamboo route Mm -hmm. and get bamboo ones because the compostable ones are only compostable in super specialized facilities that we don't have. So to me, that kind of feels greenwashed. It makes me feel better. It's something that we can kind of publicize. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're compostable, except not here. Mm -hmm. And so they basically still act like plastic. So we're probably going to go with bamboo ones, ones that will just kind of disintegrate on their own in a year or two, just like any wood product would, and make that a value statement that, yes, we know that you don't want to eat oats with your fingers, but (laughs) we're not going to give you something. Ellie does. Ellie will. Ellie will. Um, But, you know, we don't want to give you something that's still going to be around 500 years after we all die. So, you know, these are value statements that we can make as a business that also bring people to us, even though that might make our products a little more expensive. It brings people to us and they're making a value statement by utilizing our facility or our services as opposed to our competitors, too. So there could be a value in putting yourself in a particular position or putting those certain values out into the world. There is a very good chance that if you know your community well, that you're going to be rewarded for those value statements by people Mm -hmm. who also feel that by patronizing your business, they are also making a value statement. My kind of last comment on this is to be open-minded as somebody who has evolved is being open-minded and under and making changes that don't cost me a whole lot, you know, just different language or, you know, putting a sticker up on my window. Those kinds of things are easy to do. You just have to be open-minded to hear other people tell you that something might be as hurtful and, that and don't immediately put your defenses up. And that's something that I've, you know, the, the age difference between Sarita and I means that I'm, you know, I come from a slightly different perspective yeah. on it. I also grew up in, yes, still a largely white community, but a much more liberal community and with much more liberal parents. But what I have really appreciated about Sarita's evolution in this is that if I or someone else kind of goes, ooh, that wasn't the best word to use. She doesn't try to dismiss that by just saying, well, this is how I was raised or I'm just old fashioned. And Mm -hmm. that's a really easy thing for people to say to kind of relieve themselves of the responsibility of trying to make any change at all. And that's not the way she is. And that is something that is lacking from people of, of that generation. It's really easy to put your guard up and say, well, that's just how I was raised, which also kind of says that person Therefore, I'm not going to make any changes well, and for you. <laughs> therefore, you shouldn't be upset about it. Oh, yeah. No. And no. so, I mean, I, I still struggle with that, especially with pronouns. Oh, yeah. I'm trying so hard and I don't always get it right. But I also try and catch that and verbalize it when I don't get it right. Because those little changes, yes, it takes kind of some mental energy to kind of get there where I've changed it. But it has such a huge impact on the person who has told me that it is important to them that I use pronouns that reflect who they are. And I feel like that should be a default setting for everyone, that if it doesn't cost you more than just a little mental energy to do it, there should be no pushback. You should just start trying. You're not going to get it right every time, but just start trying. It cost you that much. And, you know, we started this conversation with, we actually were talking about this off, line not in you know podcast form I was like we so, together so you know how we come up with these with these episodes we were talking about the grocery store and oh, why there's an ethnic about... food section in the grocery <laughs> why store. is there an ethnic but why isn't there's food it's a grocery store <laughs> I had to go to the 
it was a sign, I'm going to use the word, an oriental aisle at the local grocery store. And then I had to go to the Mexican aisle for, I was making a, a soup and I'm like, why am I having to go to aisles that are identified as some, you know, this is just, we're, we're talking about rice and we're talking about beans. Why can't we have a rice aisle and a beans aisle? Like, rice can a, go with the pasta, beans can a, go with the canned goods. Yeah, it's so strange. Uh, and so that's how we came up with this topic. And so it's maybe kind of a couple of leaps, but I really think it's important to understand what a platform your business can be for, for social change, for political change, for and, environmental change. And that failure to act, or I shouldn't even say failure to act, Choosing to ignore how your business presents itself to the public can lead to some unintended consequences, like having a Mexican and an Oriental food aisle. Just because that's the way things have always been doesn't mean that that's the way things should always be. And simply living in a state of status quo has its, has its own implications. On the scale of do nothing or run for office, find something in between. I feel like we gave a lot of really good ways to do that. There are some simple ones and there's mm -hmm. some very complex ones. There are some easy fixes. There are some harder fixes. Mm -hmm. There are some that don't cost you anything. There are some that will cost you some money and some time and some effort and other resources. But so decide who you are and what you want to be and how you want your life reflected in your community and how you want your community to be and let your business be a catalyst in that. And I think it will pay off. I agree. Continue to find us at www. <laughs> you don't have to say that anymore, so I'm told. <laughs> Roarandpeaceproject.com. And you can email us comments and questions to roarandpeaceproject at gmail.com, and we will see you guys next time.